Did you go live? You're live. Um, you have to turn on the chat. There's a, a gear in the top right. Top right. The gear, you have to open the gear. Enable live chat and yes. allow it to replay or not? No, just, oh yes, both. And enable slow mode is already on. We're live? Okay, good evening everyone. Welcome back for another question and answer session. Again, here's how it goes. Don't, don't set your focus on the questions, on the chat. Don't set your focus on me or my assistant. Don't set your focus on Facebook. Close your eyes. Take up a position of meditation. Focus your attention inward. If and when you have a question, open your eyes, ask the question, close your eyes again. You don't need to focus on the chat or the screen. If your question's relevant, we'll get to it. You don't have to wait. Let's make this a wholesome meditative experience. All of us except that is uh, for Shraddha, who is my assistant, and has to bear the burden of copy and pasting questions onto the screen. And me, who has the burden of answering them. there are no questions, we can just keep meditating. There's no need for questions. We're not here because we want to answer questions. We're not, I'm not averse, of course, to answering. In fact, I'm happy to answer because it's punya. Dhamma desana is a form of goodness. Teaching the Dhamma. Anytime we have the opportunity to tell someone the truth, Share the Dhamma, that's a very good thing. We should leap at the opportunity. So I'm happy to do it. But if I were to want to do it, that would be a danger. So I have to be careful not to want to be a teacher, want to, to teach. I'm not here because I want to answer questions. You're not doing me a favor by... Well, I suppose you are, but... You don't have to think of it as me wanting to. If you have a question, that's when you should ask. Don't go looking for questions. So, Monty, we have questions. All right. 
am I supposed to be noting hearing, hearing while listening? Yes. Hearing, hearing. Very good practice. Here you have the excuse. Anywhere else they think you're crazy. But when you're here, you don't have to worry. I told you to do it. So you can train yourself. You're not going to be tested on this material later. The truth is, if you're saying to yourself, hearing, hearing, you're in a very good position to understand the meaning as well. Sometimes you may not, because you can be very fixed and focused if you're depending on your meditation condition. But you're also very present, so the things you do here, you're able to understand them quite well. You're not distracted by anything. You're not biased in any way. You have a clear understanding of what's being said. The next question is, I keep having heavy spasms only when I meditate and while I always note them, sometimes they do a real number on my concentration. Mm -hmm. Do you know how to make them stop? Well, we're not concerned about your concentration. You should concentrate or focus on the experience. So the spasms, you should focus on them. Your emotions, reactions to the spasms, you should focus on them. That's what we're interested in. Concentration is something that comes and goes. It's not our primary focus. The, the, the focus that we're interested in, the samadhi, is the freedom from any kind of hindrance, any liking or disliking, drowsiness, distraction or doubt. So if you can have a clear mind about the object, you'll have the right kind of samadhi. Many people think that concentration is to have a, a smooth and calm state of mind, and that's not at all what it is. Concentration doesn't really have much to do with those states that we think about. Samadhi is the, the freedom from the hindrances, that's all. The clarity of mind, that's what we're looking for. That leads to wisdom and understanding. So what you're seeing is is the three characteristics, impermanence, suffering, non-self. You're starting to see them quite clearly. That's a good thing. The, the wanting, the desire to be in a concentrated state of mind, you should note that. Let it go. Question when meditating. How should we determine our minds? I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? No. wasn't sure of that. So the next question is a follow-up um, on the question earlier about hearing, hearing. Mm -hmm. It says, or say learning, learning instead of hearing, hearing. No, don't say learning, learning. Learning is not an experience. Learning is your extrapolation. It's an abstraction of the experience. Learning is not a momentary thing. Learning is something you say, oh, I'm learning. The truth is you're experiencing. The truth is you are learning, it's just an abstract, conceptual truth. The reality is the, the ultimate experience, it's not learning it. No, it's not, not exactly learning, it's experiencing. 
seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking, that sort of thing. One thing, when I, when I do walking meditation, I find myself losing balance often when walking is instructed in your booklet. Mm -hmm. Does the spacing of my feet really matter while doing walking meditation? I mean, it's not imperative, but you shouldn't worry too much about losing balance. You know, that's part of the non-self, not being able to control. Just keep going, you know, you lose your balance, gain it again and, and, and try again. Of non-self, try and keep your feet fairly close together. They don't have to be exactly side by side, but it shouldn't be long steps or short steps or wide steps. I mean, depending on a person's body injuries and so on, there's many different ways to do walking meditation. The actual technique is not the most important thing. Sticking to the technique unless there's a valid reason is is a very is an important thing but when there are valid reasons of course exceptions can be made problem is people decide oh, i'd rather do it like this or i wanted to uh, yeah. and then i i generally tell them no you're not allowed to. because it's not because it's wrong or there's something wrong with that way it might be suboptimal or whatever that's not the real point the real point is i told you to do it like that and when the teacher tells you something, to do something, you're not doing it as a bad sign. It's a sign of obstinacy. I was talking this morning about suwacho, being easy to admonish. If you can't follow instructions, it's a bad sign. It's a sign of arrogance or stubbornness or something. Be careful about that. Monte, the volume is going to the red quite often. My volume? Yeah. When you're speaking. Right. What about when you speak? Um, yeah, it also goes to red. Okay. I don't know how Maybe this thing works. Maybe can hold it a little bit further. What? Maybe can just hold it a little further. Yeah. Like. Red is okay as long as it doesn't cap out. Is confusion simply a part of the conscious mind as you begin to open the curtains to experiencing the divine? Confusion is a mind state. It arises, it ceases. It's impermanent suffering and non-self. When you're confused, say to yourself, confused, confused. lost in thought much of the time during formal meditation. To what degree is it okay to mindfully exert myself to be more aware? Is it to any degree as long as it is mindful? Well, that's not... I mean, it's, there's no such thing as any degree as long as it's mindful. Mindful is just mindful. Mindful is not something accompanying other things. I mean, it is in a technical sense, not in the sense we mean it. 
in the in the practical sense mindfulness is a, is is individual or it's separate from any other kind of activity so when you're distracted at the time when you know you're distracted don't exert yourself in any way except to be mindful say to yourself distracted distracted and then when it happens again again say distracted distracted but, but look also at your likes and dislikes, the hindrances. If there's likes and dislikes, note that, liking, liking, disliking, dislike, if you're frustrated or, or that sort of thing. During walking meditation, can I close my eyes intermittently to increase focus or is that a crutch? That's a correct. Don't close your eyes. I mean, learn to be mindful apart from your eyes. It's a good exercise to move your attention away from the eyes. It should have nothing to do with your eyes when you're walking, very little anyway. Keeping the eyes open is useful because you can catch your balance and so on, so you do use your eyes still. But mainly your focus is on your feet, and that's a good exercise, to have your eyes open and look at your feet. And not look at your feet. Don't look at your feet, but put your mind at your feet. about being a monk, should I ask? Mm, okay. Do monks dedicate their life to the practice of meditation to prove that achievement is not necessary to live a satisfactory life? Well, I don't think it's... I don't think this is unique to monks. We don't have to include the word monk in there. Do people, the Buddhists, Read my booklet. Buddhists practice meditation to see clearly. They see clearly. They, they, pract they practice to see clearly in order to be free from suffering. That's a basic summary. Um, that's all the questions we have for now. Oh, quick. Good means people are probably with their eyes closed meditating. We shouldn't disturb them. Let's close our eyes. Or I'll close my eyes and meditate. You keep watching. You can meditate with your eyes open. I feel I feel bad because I'm forcing you to do my job. Doing walking meditation, is it okay to walk a long straight path rather than back and forth? No, don't do that. I mean, it's not evil or something, but it's not optimal. It's good to be reined in. The fact that you probably don't like it is a good sign. It's a good test and a good challenge. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that there's anything really wrong with doing long walking. I think people like it more and that's a sign that it's a bit of a danger. Better to be challenged, walk back and forth. Do you have a booklet on loving-kindness meditation? 
there's not that much to teach with loving kindness. I mean, people keep asking this question. It's really not that difficult. I mean, I think I've done videos on it. I've talked about it. I can give you a rundown here. Just start with yourself. It's a very common sort of ref point of reference. May I be happy. May I be free from suffering. There's lots of different mantras you can use. Make up your own ones. Wish for yourself to be happy, free from suffering. Find peace, bliss, happiness. And then there's different ways to go next. You can start sending in one direction or you can start with people who you love and then move on to people who you don't care about and then on to people who you don't like and back and forth like that. The way I like to do it is start inward and move outward. So for myself, I move to the room, may all beings in this room, may all beings in this house, may all beings in this uh, village, this city, this province, this country, all beings in the world. You know, repeat the same thing at each of those levels. There's lots of ways to do it. There's not really any right or wrong way. Unless you're really interested in gaining jhana based on it. If you really want to gain strong concentration, there are techniques to use metta to do that. I don't teach that though. Is Tourette's syndrome a hindrance? I've had it since I was a child. I'm aware of the tics as they arise, and I'm mindful of how averse I am to my tics. Mm -hmm. But it is impossible to resist thoughts. Right, well, don't try to resist them, just try and be mindful of them. When you have some thoughts, they say thinking, thinking, or if there's lots of them, say distracted. It's great that you're mindful of the aversion, say aversion, disliking, disliking, and so on. They're not a hindrance, no. What do I note when I'm laughing? You can note the feeling of happiness, you can note the laughing, you can just say laughing, laughing. There's lots of things like tension and that sort of thing. What constitutes a violation of a precept? Speech seems like the easiest to break, especially when speaking sternly is taken as being harsh. Harsh speech isn't a precept for most people. Some people do take it as a precept. Mostly people don't. Buddhists don't. Mostly the precept, the fourth precept, is not to lie. And they take it as a precept not to say something that they know is false, trying to mislead someone. Do you have any advice for mindful eating? Yeah, it, it can make it into a real meditation. Try and note when you lift the food, say scooping, when you place it in your mouth, mouth placing. You can even from the beginning note when you see the food, because there's going to be liking as well. When you see, say seeing. When you like, say liking. When your mouth waters, say feeling or whatever. Uh, and then when you lift it, when you place it in your mouth, placing. When you smell it, say smelling. When you taste it, say tasting. When you're chewing it, say chewing, chewing. When you swallow it, say swallowing. And you can start, if you're mindful from the beginning and, and ready, 
you can turn it into a meditation. You got to eat anyway, no? Got to sit there anyway. Why not turn it into a meditation? It can be very fruitful. When bringing the mind to an object like the stepping feet, is it like a focus with an abstract-looking silhouette of the action happening in the head? No. It's focusing on the feeling of the foot moving. If you see something, just say, see, see. Stop walking and say, see, see. Relative to the situation. I don't know what that means. Don't worry. You can ask. Don't be afraid. I'm gonna. You just ask. Ask anything you think. If you want to hear the answer, just ask it. You're you're the boss. You decide. You can decide to be mean or to be kind to me. Questions yesterday on the morning. We weren't answering questions then. In the basic progression, should I be noting intentions? Yes. I mean, in the beginning, you don't have to worry too much. Someone who's just beginning in practice doesn't have to worry about it, but. After some time, you should note at the very least note intentions in regards to move, uh, changing postures. So when you go to stand up, say wanting to stand. When you go to sit down, say wanting to sit. When you go to walk, say wanting to walk. When you go to lie down, say wanting to lie down. It's very good practice. Do you recommend fasting with meditation? No. No, we recommend um, for serious practitioners to eat once a day. You can have some oatmeal in the morning or, or some kind of rice soup or something. Something light in the morning. Cereal, maybe. And then one meal around 10 or 11. That's a good sort of compromise. You need effort to meditate. This kind of meditation is not easy. It's hard on the body even, the walking. Don't fast. And we're not here to purify the body. That's not the goal. The body is full of filth. You can't actually purify it. You're not going to start pooping out diamonds. I mean, I'm not anyway. Is enlightenment a myth? 
No. That's not a fair answer, is it? Um, it's not fair to answer that question because it, 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 um, it implies some kind of knowledge that can't be transferred. Like, I can't explain to you, I can't prove to you, let's say. I can't prove to you. So I can't give you even evidence that it exists. Any evidence I give would be circumstantial. So that's the best we can do, is talk about circumstantial evidence. Uh, enlightenment is not a myth, because it's unlikely and we can't talk about uh, it's a hard one to talk about but except in terms of circumstantial evidence like looking at oh look at the Buddha's teaching you know what kind of person could teach that except an enlightened one it's unsatisfactory right so it's a hard question to answer because the only other way to answer would be to say something like um, Well, if the Buddha were to say, you know, hey, um, it's not... If the Buddha were to say to you, enlightenment's true because I'm enlightened. It's still not a very fair answer because, you know, how do you know he's enlightened? So you still have to infer it. You still have to watch the Buddha, you know, read the Buddha's teachings, learn about the Buddha and say, wow, if there's anybody enlightened, it's got to be him. I think we'll just ex abstain from that answer. You know, the right answer, I think, is come and see for yourself. Buddhism doesn't make claims that are based on faith. It doesn't require you to believe anything based on faith. Any claims that are made are something you can come and see for yourself. Ehi pasa. When two conversation and direct to unwholesomeness topic, what should to do? When conversations direct to unwholesome topic, mm. what to do? I try and be mindful. Probably don't engage much in the conversation. Really, when things, whatever happens in your life, a good rule of thumb is to try and be mindful. It'll give you some perspective and help you see what your your emotions, how you're reacting to things. There's no hard and fast answer to what you should do in any. You know, I can't say every time X happens, do this. No. It has to be be mindful, and you'll understand what to do when X happens with all the many variables.
Who is the conversation with? Who's listening? Who's watching? Why are you having a conversation? That sort of thing. Why should you eat once a day? I think this is a follow-up from the last question. Because it's enough. You don't need more than that. You eat to live. Eat to live, don't live to eat. It's not exactly fermentation, but is fear a necessary survival tool? Fear? No. Fear is not necessary. I mean, I guess evolutionarily it's been useful, it's good stop you from getting killed in some instances. Buddhists might get killed where other people don't get killed because they just aren't afraid. So they don't run away necessarily. So right, I guess if, whatever, if your question was something like that, then yeah, I guess if you really, if your goal is survival, I mean for most of us, even a meditator should run away and probably will get afraid. But eventually you let go of that. When you're enlightened, there's, there's of course no need to preserve your life. You're free. You have nothing left to do. And besides, if, if your mind is pure when you die, you're not going to go to a bad place. On the other hand, if your mind is full of fear when you die, it's quite possible that you'll go to a very bad place. So if you run away in fear and then you get killed, it's a bad situation. Jitte sankhidite dukati patikankara. If your mind is defiled, remember that? It's from the sutta recently. Jitte sankhidite dukati patikankara. Go to a bad place if your mind is defiled. Is consciousness self or not self? If consciousness, consciousness were self, you could make it be the way you want it to be. Can you control consciousness to be the way you want it to be? Say, may my consciousness be thus, may my consciousness not be thus. Many people think so, and that's why they think of it as self. Do some practice of mindfulness, you'll come to see that that's not the case. But don't believe me. Do some mindfulness practice. You'll see what you'll see. What is the difference between a Buddha and Arahant? A Buddha knows everything. An Arahant just lets go of everything. They both let go of everything. But the Buddha also knows everything. And knows everything isn't quite accurate. The Buddha has unimpeded un in, insight. It means anything he wants to put his mind to, he can come, he can get an answer to. Any question he puts to his mind uh, comes up with an answer. 
could it be more beneficial for monks to go out into public and practice meditation mindfulness around many distractions in order to perfect his or her craft? No, you don't need that. Sure, maybe it would be, could be useful. Depends on the individual, really. It's really hard to say what's going to help one individual. But generally speaking, you don't need to manufacture circumstances. You just have to find a good, really a, a good quiet, you know, suitable place. Because the mind is already very difficult to deal with. So being on your own gives you that ability to fine-tune and really look deeply at the very basic experiences. Having extreme experiences can be useful. I don't think it's um, the best way, though. In the long term, you're best to just focus on basic experiences. Spend your time learning about the basics. How do we deal with living with mistakes we made in the past and its present and future ramifications? So you don't live with the mistakes, actually. You live with memories. Well, you don't even live with those. You live with the fact that memories will arise. Thoughts will arise that are memories of the past. Those memori memories will arise and cease. Those memories actually aren't a problem. They're impermanent, suffering and non-self. They come and they go. They're not going to do... There's no fixing them. There's no controlling them. There's also no suffering from them if you don't cling to them. So the real problem that you have to live with is your guilt or... What was it? Something that you did or something someone else did? Bad memories? What was it? Something yeah. bad? Yeah, mistakes in the mistakes. past mm -hmm. and its present and future ramifications. Mm -hmm. Right, okay, well let's talk about the ramifications separately. But first talking about the past mistakes, there's the guilt that you have to live with and the fear of the future and so on. All of those emotions are what you have to deal with. You don't have to live with them. The idea is to, to come to terms with them and overcome them, free yourself from them, so that you're no longer reacting to the memories. What's going to happen in the future? Ramifications? Well, yeah, that's um, that's the reality. Everything we do has has consequences. But that's just reality. It is that way. Wishing or wanting it to be otherwise isn't what makes it change. You know, even trying to change it isn't really the goal. Just try and be present when it happens. Try your best to live your life mindfully. It's the best way to clear up and refine our lives, our livelihood and our engagement with samsara. Our life changes when we're mindful. Many things about it will change. Doing a lot of heavy weight lifting, it seems mindfulness demotivates me from pushing harder sometimes. Should I just note the feeling of demotivation? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mindfulness will do that. It will demotivate you. Because you'll start to see how pointless it is. How pointless so much of the things we do are, so much of our lives. And we'll do things more for rational reasons, for reasons that are actually more valid 
you know, like if you're a professional weightlifter or something, then you'll do it because you're, people are giving you money to do it, for example. So you'll do it for that reason. But passion and motivation, you know, even money will start to lose its motivation. You'll do things just because you need to. And then you'll stop. Because you see that the reasons for doing them aren't actually very good reasons. And the happiness you thought would come from following certain paths doesn't actually come. It isn't actually satisfying. You'll see that for yourself. I mean, I don't have to tell you or brainwash you or something. But that's why I'm explaining why. That's why you start to lose motivation. Because really, mindfulness works. It helps you see the uselessness of things that are useless. Before we ask questions of a monk, should we be mindful of what they're allowed to answer? They're not allowed to lie, nor are they allowed to share their experience, if it can hinder others, another. Well, I mean, I would say I'm more concerned that you're respectful. I think um, as a student, as someone looking for knowledge, you should have the sense that you're asking for a, a favor, really. You're asking for a gift, you know. And if you come with a insolent sort of expected, ex, expectant, expectant uh, mindset, you know, like like as though it were. That's why I said it's not because I want to teach. We don't. You shouldn't think like that. You should think, well, here's someone who maybe has an answer to my question, and I would appreciate their answer. As long as you're like that, most people are. That's all I would expect. That's all I would want for myself if I were asking a question: is to be considerate and respectful and thoughtful and appreciative. You no, know? mostly appreciative. This is someone who actually can help. If you don't think so, then you should. Well, there are some people who come probably who don't think so. They think, let's test this foolish person. Maybe. They come trying to test and, and maybe to poke fun or something. I don't know. Come to find fault is a very common one. Not very common, but it does happen. If you, but no, if you want the right way, I don't think it's wrong to test either. But the best way to ask questions, if you are respectful, is to, to just have a sense of respect and you know, mindfulness. Be mindful of, considerate of the circumstances. As long as you're respectful, I don't really mind what you ask. Just because we don't answer all the questions doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. It's just we're trying to create a environment, you know, an atmosphere, of meditation, and trying to really provide benefit. So trying to provide direction. So we try to focus on questions related to, as I said, the question should be, I think the answer to this question will help this person on their path. That's why we answer it. Shouldn't be other reasons for answering, not usually. So that's the criteria for what you should ask. I still might not answer it. 
That's my prerogative. Please explain what is obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, in your perspective. I don't, I mean, I don't know if there's some brain, you know, could there be some organic brain, uh, you know, something that's totally outside of, outside of the mind, but my, I suspect that it has a lot to do with um, intense habit. You know, people have different characters of mind, so they're more likely some than others to to build habits, strong habits, you know, if they're very forceful. But the habits build over time until it becomes very difficult to to break away from them. And so I would say I don't know that anyone is immediately obsessive compulsive. I think it grows over time. I don't know that that's the case. I really have, don't have a lot of experience. I have some experience with people. I know how debilitating it can be. I don't know what the success is like for people trying to break themselves free from it. I don't think it's ultimately the, the greatest concern that you break out of the obsession. What you should break out of is the, the emotions involved with it. You know, they're, they're what make it obsessive, really. But at, at the core, there's some very strong uh, emotion or obsession. And so you try to focus on the emotions that it evokes. Try and learn more about uh, or be more clearly aware of the quality of mind when engaging. What I mean to say is so that you don't have to stop yourself from washing your hands a million times, taking a shower for hours on end. But while you're doing it, you have to be more focused on the mind. What is the mind doing at the time? That's what I think will start to deconstruct the habit. I think it's not easy. how to meditate upon and deal with one's guilt and shame. Read my booklet. There's no quick, you probably have read the booklet, or have or haven't, I don't know. There's no quick answer. You know, I don't have a magic, the Buddha didn't have a magic pill. His only magic pill would be mindfulness, I think. He had some pills in the sense that he knew better than anyone else how to teach individuals. So he often had specific practices for individuals. But for most people, it's not an easy road. Read the booklet. I think there's some helpful teachings in, in that. hindrances, liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt. Move on to the six senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. You don't really have to go beyond that. You can learn about the rest of them. You should learn about the rest of them. 
but I think they're generally more useful as, as theory. I mean, they are very much a part of the practice, but in terms of being mindful of them, you know, the five, there are the seven bojangas, you can be mindful of those, and be mindful of each of them to try and balance them through mindfulness. Walking, I'm moving my throat as if I'm vocalizing the note. And when I'm noting a different thing, I notice that I'm fixated on noting in the rhythm rhythm of the breath. What so are no, good notes for this? No, both knowing, knowing, being just when you're aware of something, you note the awareness. If you feel the movement of the, the throat, say feeling, feeling. to keep a, keep a black view in my head. I'm still seeing subtle images in my mind when focusing on the rising and falling or hearing. Can the images be ignored if it's not bothersome? So don't try and keep the black or something like that. When you do see, just say seeing, seeing until it goes away. If after a long time it doesn't go away, then you can ignore it. But stay with it for some time. Quality better than quantity for mindfulness? Well, it should be both. It should be quantity of quality. There's really no either or. You can't have one without the other. If you don't have quantity, quality is not very. It's probably better, I suppose. I don't know. That's not. A, that's a bit of a sophistic question. Just practice, don't worry, quality, quantity, build them both. I do the focus on breathing method and get to the point where I lose focus on my physical body to where I barely even realize it's there after about 20 minutes. Is there anything more? So if you haven't read our booklet on how to meditate, I'd recommend you do that. Our technique might be different, it sounds like, from what you do. Probably is. I think it is based on what you're saying. So. Unless I'm mistaken, I would recommend, if you want my advice, to try our booklet. If you don't, if you're doing a different practice, then I can't really give you too much advice. Maybe because any advice I give you will be unrelated to the path you're on. What should I do if I don't know what to note? 
You can note um, knowing or feeling are very common general ones. If you feel something or know something. If there's nothing, you can note quiet if it's quiet. If you're confused about what to note, you can say confused. It really depends on what's actually happening. As you get better, you'll start to see things you didn't notice. But if there's not really, I mean, that's if there is nothing, then come back to the stomach and start doing the rising from it. Train yourself on that. If there's no rising and falling, just note sitting. Sitting is also valid. I feel like a lack of concentration is causing suffering. How should I pr proceed? Don't worry about suffering. We're interested in that. The Buddha said, Parinyaya, suffering is to be fully understood. So it's our object of focus. Don't worry about the fact that suffering is there. Try and stay with it and focus on it and learn about it and understand why you're suffering. Because the things aren't causing you suffering, it's your reactions to them, your mindset. Is it okay to meditate with eyes open? We do walking meditation with eyes open, but in our tradition we do walk, a sitting meditation with eyes closed. So if you want to be a good student, listen to what the teacher says, even though you might not like it. It's good practice to do things you don't want to do. It teaches you patience. If you hear voices during meditation and there's no one around, does that mean you're slightly mad? It means you're hearing. Just say hearing, hearing. How is it possible to know thinking? Whenever I catch myself, my thoughts stop and I'm just aware that my mind was drifting off and that thought is just in the past. It's always going to be in the past. Mindfulness or sati is to remind yourself. It's to cultivate this ability to see things just as they are. So instead of getting caught up in the thought, you remind yourself that's just thinking. It has to happen right after the thought. You can never judge something or react to something as it's happening because as it's happening, you're experiencing it. There's no opportunity. It has to be right after. So what we're doing is trying to evoke a sense of objectivity. When you say to yourself thinking, you're setting the tone for all thought, future thought as well. So in the future when thought comes, you'll be more inclined to see it just as thought. It's a means of reminding yourself. It doesn't matter that it happens after. That's not a problem. Is concentration meditation not necessary? There's really no such thing as concentration meditation. And the word concentration is a bit misleading in some sense. Samadhi is kind of more like focus, I think, though they're often used in English interchangeably. But focus is a better word, I think, because samadhi is some, some is like a, a level. No? When you focus, it's like a balance. When you focus the camera, it's not too focused. It has to be in the middle. 
You have to be in focus. That's really a better way to look at samadhi. And samadhi is necessary. It's an important part of, it's a key part of the path. But it's focus. When you're focused, then you can see clearly. That's the point. When you focus a camera, you, that's the only way you can see the, the object in the camera. to find happiness in a busy life full of many distractions. How do I find a balance between progressing as a person and learning new skills and achieving and letting go and being happy? It sounds like mindfulness would help you. If you read, haven't read the booklet on how to meditate, that might help. Um, if you want to do an at-home course right now or still have space, I think, Fill some spaces if you want to do an at-home course. We meet once a week. Maybe you've done both these things, I don't know. But if you're still asking, well, I'm not sure there's much more I can do. Hopefully the meditation has given you some benefits, some support, help you find a balance in your life. It doesn't fix everything, of course. Mindfulness won't fix things. It just helps you deal with them better, with a clearer mind. Important, don't try to fix everything. Don't look at the world as something to be fixed. Don't look at your life as something to be fixed. Even your mind as something to be fixed. Look at all of those things as something to be understood. When you see clearly the problem, there's no problem. Things don't become problems anymore, they're just things. Good questions. Thank you. It's, it's so great, you know. I have this. We have this. This setup that people just come to ask questions. People come ready to ask good questions about meditation and sincere questions. So many people. All these people are practicing meditation and talking about it. They're saying, "When I practice, this happens. What do I do?" That just warms the heart because. Makes you just to hear that people are meditating is such a good thing. Often following our booklet makes makes me feel like the booklet was valuable, which is a good thing to know. So it feels good. It's, it, I I mean to say that I appreciate very much, and I've said this and I say this and I'll say it every time. All of you, thank you for your interest and in, engagement. And thank you to all of our volunteers. There's people who are volunteering, just taking time, even though they have... Day, I don't have a day job, you see. These people have day jobs, and they're taking time to... Time at night, maybe, or on the weekend, I don't know, to, to help us, to help me, to help the Dhamma, to help themselves. That's a great thing. If you want to volunteer, you can get involved, I think, um, our, our organization is sending, putting out videos now, which is great. I'm not the only one. 
letting everyone know they can get take part. That's great. Don't be afraid of goodness. Goodness is another word for happiness. What is it? Thank you, Shraddha. Thank you. Rick. Rick is here. He's, he's off camera. Shraddha didn't want to be on camera either. She didn't say that. That's not fair. I said that um, really we shouldn't be on camera because in the Buddhist time they would put a they would put a fan in front of their face when they talk. So uh, specifically for that purpose, so that people wouldn't look at them. So it made me think, you know, all this video making is probably not the best way. And it's hard because people want to see you, and that's when you put up a video, no one would watch it if you had a fan in front of your face the whole time. So we have to make a balance somehow. But I think there has to be an acknowledgement from the other side that our need to see the person who's speaking is quite problematic, dangerous even. You get too focused on the person and you're not focused inward on the meaning and, and, and on the practice, you know. People would think it's absurd to just say hearing. How can I hear what the person is saying when you don't need to hear what the person is saying if you're saying hearing? Not me anyway, because you've already understood the teaching. On that note, I'm going to end it, and I'm sure that while I've been talking, there's lots more questions coming up. I, I should have said at the beginning, okay, no more questions. Do we have any good ones? There are a bunch of questions. Yeah, probably too many. I think enough for now. Maybe for some of them, it's just to read the booklet. What, when you read meditate, the what do you focus on? Read the booklet if you haven't. We have a booklet on how to meditate. All good questions, but the booklet should answer many of them. There's also a Q&A, uh, a, a frequently asked questions on the page that has the booklet. should be a link to it somewhere. Read that as well. It's got lots of... There was one person who asked me so many questions once. She did a course with me and she had all sorts of... And I said, I should write a frequently asked question. I think she even asked, is there a frequently asked question? And so I wrote one just for her. And then there's a question about how to, what does the at-home meditation entail, and how does it work? You, you, can, answer you can answer that. Yeah, one day I answered this in a video a week ago, but you'd have to, during the course, you'd have to take the five precepts, You'd have to meditate at least an hour a day, uh, half walking, half sitting, um, and work towards meditating two hours by the end of the course. Um, you'd have to read the booklet before the course begins. Um, and there was one more thing that was a requirement to remember. Um, but we're going to update the website. It should maybe happen end of the weekend and that should tell what the course is and uh, what happens during that home course so that might be helpful to read mm -hmm. at that point and to sign up you could go to the link maybe here at the uh, in the video once you go there you could look at 
the schedule on the left side, on the left side where there are the three arrows, the menu button. When you click there, it's there should be something that's called the schedule right now, but after the website is updated, it will be called at home meditation course. So mm -hmm. you could go there and, and there'll be instructions and then there'll be a schedule page where you could sign up. Should I say more or that's okay for now? And then there's also a question about how to sign up, how to get the Discord link. It's on our website, I think. Yeah. Our Discord server, Discord, we used to use Slack, but Discord um, works better, actually. Or it did when we switched. And uh, so we use it for a lot of things. We use it for our study group on Saturdays. Uh, we use it for volunteer or coordination. Just to talk if people have, our board of directors uses it. We have a boardroom and board meetings and all that. It's sort of our hub in many ways. The website is as well, but the, we use the Discord server a lot more to communicate with each other and for all sorts of things. So if you're interested in joining the community, it's our community. We're not that chatty. It's not like it's a chat server or anything. But if you have questions, you can direct them there. So quickly, someone will answer. They only saw the links to YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, but maybe it's, we can um, check if it's... That's on, probably they're looking at my YouTube channel, the YouTube channel. You have to go to our website, sirimungalo.org. Or maybe that's, yeah, that's, I mean, it's right on the video, right? The video has a big, it still says sirimungalo.org on it. I think it should, we can check after. Don't see where the... That's where you should go if you haven't gone, and I'm told there's a Discord link there an invite link. If there's not, there will be hell to pay. I'll, I'll give them heck. Um, and then lots of people saying thank you for the booklet. That was very helpful. And also someone saying that they listen to the, the audio like a podcast, but someone else saying that it's helpful to see your lips for those of us who are hard of hearing. Mm. So why video might be helpful. Um, there's still questions, but... No, we're done. That's all for tonight. Thank you all. Wish you all peace, happiness, freedom from suffering. Have a good night.